Welcome to the Paralegal Voice, where you hear the latest issues and trends in the world of paralegals and legal assistance by one of the best-known paralegals in the industry, Vicki Boyson. A paralegal for more than 20 years, Vicki is dedicated to helping legal professionals reach their goals. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Paralegal Voice here on Legal Talk Network. I'm Vicki Voison, the Paralegal Mentor, and I host the Paralegal Voice. I'm Anala Advanced Certified Paralegal, and I publish a weekly e-newsletter titled Paralegal Strategies. I'm also the co-author of The Professional Paralegal, A Guide to Finding a Job and Career Success, and you're going to find more information at paralegalmentor.com. My guest today is Katherine James, founding director of Act of Communication, a company founded almost 35 years ago to set a new standard in the art of advocacy. Welcome, Katherine. Well, thank you so much, Vicki. It's so good to hear your voice again. Katherine and I have worked together uh, previously. And I'm excited to have her as a guest today. And I'm excited to be back. Thanks, Catherine. Let me tell my listeners a little bit more about you. Catherine, along with her business partner and husband, Alan Blumenfeld, has brought state-of-the-art trial communication skills to more than 30,000 attorneys and their witnesses. So that's a bunch. They utilize precise theatrical skills to optimize results in trial, mediation, arbitration, and other professional appearances from witness preparation, depositions or negotiation conferences, trial strategy, judge and jury communications, to orchestrating opening and closing statements. So let me ask you, Catherine, is there anything we need to add to that? Well, let me think. I think that one of the growing ways in which we're all working these days is through Skype, through video conferencing, Uh, and I find that a lot of attorneys are now turning to that, and they're not necessarily doing it brilliantly, so we also help them do that as well. Before we move on to our discussion with Catherine, our incredible sponsor should be thanked. That would be Nala a professional association for paralegals providing continuing education and professional certification programs at NALA.org. NALA is a force in the promotion and the advancement of the paralegal profession, and we certainly appreciate their sponsorship. The goal of the Paralegal Voice is to discuss a wide range of topics important to the paralegal industry and share with listeners leading trends and resources you'll find helpful in your career and your everyday job. Guests are almost always included. I use these guests to help explore these timely topics, and that's why I invited Katherine James to be with me today to discuss how she works with attorneys and paralegals in trial preparation, and of course that would include depositions and other professional appearances. Catherine, I think most attorneys and paralegals would agree with me that communication is key when working with witnesses, not when presenting a case at trial. So I'm curious, how did you recognize the need for better communication methods? And from that, 
establish act of communication? Well, you know, I started this company, Vicki, when I was 25 and knew everything, which is really a handy position to be in in life. Now I'm 61. You know, I sometimes wonder if, uh, you know, what, what else I can possibly figure out to help with a problem that's in front of me now. And I think about that young woman who's 25 who knew everything, and I miss her sometimes, you know. But um, what happened was my husband, Alan, and I were getting our master's degrees at the uh, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. I've been an actor since I was five. Alan's been an actor since he was 11, so I've been an actor longer than he has, although we were the same age. And as we were getting our master's degrees, our great mentor, Ed Hastings, Ph.D. from Yale, pulled jury duty. And Vicki, the story he came back with of serving on a jury and how confused and overwhelmed the jurors were is actually how we started this work. I, every single issue that Ed came up with as a problem for the jurors, from the witnesses to the attorneys to the strong belief amongst the jurors that everybody, all of the lawyers, all of the judges, the bailiffs, uh, the witnesses all knew whether, uh, what the outcome of the trial should be. But the jurors were simply being left in the dark on purpose, was, was the general impression. And I tell you, everything he came up with, it was like a little roadrunner light bulb went up over my head, and I thought, I know how to fix that through what I know from the theater. I know about clean, clear, active, regular English. I know about storytelling and how important it is. I know about eye contact and how important that is. And interestingly enough, a lot of the principles that we learned from that very first go-around with Ed, and then obviously we've done so many trials at this point. At this point, I've helped take over 1,500 cases to trial, you know, let alone depositions and mediations and arbitrations and hearings, et cetera. So I know a lot. I've learned a lot. But some of those principles still remain the same. So we started um, working with attorneys, which was fascinating in workshop situations. And then we sort of burst onto the national scene working with attorneys right away. And out of working with the lawyers in the workshops, they started saying to me, can you help me with this case? And out of helping them with that case, I started working with witnesses. And I love lawyers. Don't misunderstand me. I love them so much that I gave birth to one. But I, I really love witnesses. And I find a real passion. My real passion ultimately lies in helping these folks, whether they're expert witnesses or most of us deal constantly with, with lay witnesses, with non-professionals. As we would say in the world of the theater, oh, here comes a non-pro walking across the stage. Well, you know, we all deal with that every single day of the week with a Y in it, those non-pros. So, so I've found that's a real calling for me uh, in, in my legal life. Well, I do love your message because I think often jurors firmly believe that someone's trying to trick them. And then they get a lot of technical information that they can't possibly understand. And I've also spent my share of time on jury duty. While I was able to understand the attorney's message, I know the information just wasn't getting through to some of the other jurors, especially that juror that kept falling asleep. Well, yes. And if they've fallen asleep, they've already made up their mind. Probably. Uh -huh. 
and you just don't know which way they've made up their mind. So there you are. Then you get the juror who doesn't want to be there in the first place. Yes. So you have a lot of different people out there to work with, people with different education levels and interests. Oh, yes. So anyway, and and none of the none of those people are looking to get into a good school. That's right. They've just been called for jury duty. Absolutely. <laughs> so so the the uh, the attorney and many paralegals work with with the attorneys with this particular profile who believe that well it's all right the the witness will will just speak like an engineer because he is an engineer. That's right. And I shall just. I shall just roll out all these terms, and I'll explain them once, and then I'll just keep going. It's like, no, no, darling, they're not taking notes so they can get an A on the final. <laughs> this is not high school. This is not college. This is a trial. You've got to, you've got, you've got to make all the information apprehendable to everybody. So let's talk about a paralegal we both think is fabulous. Her name is Denise Corb. I think you call her Denny. Yes. So Denny was just named the 2013 Advocate Capital AAJ Paralegal of the Year. Yes. Which is, you know, it's such a high honor. I know you've worked with her, and she gives you really high praise in her testimonial on your website. So tell our listeners a bit about working with Denise and other paralegals. Well, Denise is a fantastic paralegal, and there are lots of fantastic trial paralegals out there. Uh, what I find is uh, a trial paralegal is as good as, has the potential of being as good as the lawyer who is working with her or the lawyer who hires her. So Denny works with a wonderful attorney named Greg Eastland, and they are a pair. They are a duo. And uh, it's, it's sort of like Danny Kay, the actor Danny Kay, was married to Sylvia Fine. Danny Kay, everyone thinks, was a genius, which he was, but he never said a word. Nothing came out of his mouth, no joke or no concept came out of his mouth that Sylvia Fine didn't write for him. So if, a, if an attorney can, understands what a trial paralegal can bring to the party, that this, can, this person can be his or her, not only second in command, but like a partner in dealing with, especially with witnesses. Now, when I go in and work with, you know, a number of lawyers, they immediately, uh, if it's a first-time person, they'll say to me, um, is it, if they're smart, they'll say to me, can my paralegal sit in? If they're not smart enough to ask that question, I will often say, don't you want someone to sit in like your paralegal? Don't you want your paralegal to sit in on this witness preparation session? And I, I'm amazed, you know, right away I can tell what kind of a lawyer I have. Because either I've got a smart one who will say, oh, God, yes, is that okay? Or I'll have one who'll go, who will say, well, why would I want to do that? So right away I know what kind, of, what kind of relationship, how much this attorney is going to allow his or her practice to be made fuller better, smarter, more efficient, um, to, to allow uh, a paralegal to come and help them, their paralegal, that makes all the difference in the world. And Denny is such a person. She just walked right in, sat right down, sat there with her notebook, 
was free to ask me any question she wanted to the first time we worked together with a witness. The three of us were basically, we were working on a deposition preparation that then eventually became a trial preparation uh, on the same case. And it was wonderful to work in collaboration with an equal partner, which I believe in my heart a trial paralegal should be. I totally agree with you. Sometimes attorneys don't realize the valuable resource they have sitting just down the hall. And if they just give their paralegal a chance, give them an opportunity, they can do so much for them. So I have a question for you. Frequently, paralegals and attorneys are kind of short-sighted. They take the position that preparing clients and other witnesses for trial consists of telling them what to wear, when to show up, what to expect in the way of questions. But, you know, there's a whole lot more to that preparation. Am I right? There is so much more. I think of, of, of the law, and I think paralegals are the prime example of this. It can be divided up into people skills and paper skills. And you need both. Don't misunderstand me. You need both. But paralegals have extraordinary, the, the ones that I've met, have extraordinary people skills. So when to show up, that's a paper kind of an issue. But getting them to understand what time that is, that they actually have to show up, and getting them to show up on time, that's a people skill. That's a people skill. The paralegal who finds out, you know, with the blank look on the face, this is what time you're supposed to show up. A paralegal is much more likely than an attorney to say, is there going to be a problem with that? Is that, is that, what's the problem with the time? You're, you, you look a little puzzled. How come? That's when you find out they have no child care or they have an elderly parent that they can't leave alone or that they don't understand. They, they speak English pretty well, but they don't understand that concept. That's a people skill. It's the same thing with, um, with getting them, uh, paralegals can get people to wear things that other people can't. We were, uh, I was uh, just thinking about, I have a, an article on my website called Costuming for the Courtroom, because lawyers and paralegals, you know, everyone believes that uh, what you wear is very important. I believe what you wear is very important. But there's sort of an old-fashioned concept to this, which is like if, if a paralegal, for example, has an older um, attorney who's also happens to be male, she or he will hear the, the attorney say to a 20-something witness, just wear what you'd wear to church. It is. Which is hysterically funny because I always think, have you been to church lately? Do you see what those people are wearing? Um, also, a younger paralegal uh, working with an older paralegal can gently bring them into the 21st century. What should a person be wearing? What colors are best for this witness? Why are solids better than patterns? Why are warm colors better than cold colors? Why, if you have a witness with perfectly fabulous crystal clear blue eyes, why do you want to have a blouse or a shirt that picks that up if you have a videotaped deposition? When, when a paralegal looks at someone's haircut and, and their first impression is, oh, my God, 
let's try to figure out how to get rid of the 1980s. Those are, these are valuable things that attorneys often miss, but paralegals always have. Now, I know from personal experience that attorneys will say they lost their case because of their expert. You know, they paid the expert thousands of dollars to be there, and he made a poor impression on the jury. Or the client was so hostile that the jury didn't believe in the case. So I have a feeling that the problem may be in the way the witness was prepared. How do you get that message across? Absolutely. Well, let's first start with the attorney needs to be aware that the that the impression that the paralegal gets. I often ask the paralegal before I meet someone, what do you think of this guy? What do you think of her? Because they, paralegals have, still have a sense of what's really going on in the world, and they have very good gut instincts. Like I can remember talking to someone about a witness I was about ready to work with, and I said, well, what do you think of this guy? And she looked at me, and she wrinkled her nose, and she said, I don't like him. And when a woman looks at you and says about a guy, I don't like him, you know that there's something kind of creepy, something kind of snarky, something going on there that I need to have my radar up for that this guy, who's the lawyer, didn't even pick up on. It's, they need to, lawyers need to understand that. Now, It's absolutely true. The expert then makes this snarky, weird, bad impression. Now, when I'm dealing with them, what I often do is I have, I only prepare through, uh, I ask them a couple of questions. You know, what concerns do you have about having your deposition taken? If we're doing deposition, for example, I let them voice those concerns. We answer, you know, what those concerns are. Those, you know, that lasts for about, five minutes usually, and then I turn on a camera and we record, or actually now I turn on my iPad, we record, and then we play back and talk about it. You will be amazed at when you do that, and you can be there running the camera. The parallel will go, I'll just run the camera. You will be amazed at the tips that you can give the person. You'll be amazed at what the person says about their own behavior when they get to see it with the paralegal running the camera. I've had, you know, people say, oh my God, I look like a gargoyle. What am I going to, what are we going to do about this? And that's true. This particular expert did look like a gargoyle. I mean, it was quite, <laughs> quite an event. Um, it, it, and, or, or someone being so hostile, so over the top. They see themselves being hostile over, and over the top. It doesn't do you so much good to say it to them as when they see it. Now, the paralegal can be the one who introduces this concept of, let's tape it and play it back into the witness preparation for the attorney. It's another sort of, quote-unquote, technical thing, but then the paralegal gets to give her her impression and opinion and help steer things in a better direction. Catherine, we also need to be aware of where they're going to be testifying. Yeah. For instance, if we get someone for our small town from the big city who acts as though he's smarter than everybody in the small town, and it really does show, the jury's not going to like that. Those are things that attorneys always need to think about. We're going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, NALA, 
the Association of Legal Assistants and Paralegals. And when we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about witness preparation with Catherine James of Act of Communication. NALA means professional. NALA offers classroom and web-based continuing education and professional development for all paralegals. And NALA's certified paralegal credential has been a gold standard of professionalism for over 30 years. More than 15,000 paralegals have this certification, and nearly 2,000 have achieved the demanding advanced certified paralegal. NALA works actively with others in the legal field to promote the value of paralegals and to advance paralegal professionalism. See more about why NALA means professional at www.nala.org. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Vicki Voison, and today we're discussing the preparation of witnesses for depositions and trials with my guest, Catherine James, of Act of Communication. Catherine, I have to tell you that Denise Korb said that you work magic, and it's also been said that you are to witness preparation what Michelangelo was to sculpture. So let's talk just a little bit about how you help witnesses with convincing and also assertive communication so they can move forward, so they're not anxious and they're not dreading their experience. How do you turn that nightmare witness into a great witness? Well, that is what I love about that. And what I love about the Michelangelo references, you know, when Michelangelo would look at a a piece of marble, he would say, when they'd say, how did you know, how, how did you know that that piece of marble would have uh, the David in it, for example? And he would say, oh, I could just see the David in there. All I had to do was chip away the other stuff. I think the same thing is very true with witness preparation. Oftentimes, what I'm looking for, what we should all be looking for with them is what is the person, what is the, 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 the sculpture inside that giant piece of stone that we need to bring to deposition or trial? And when I say that, what I mean by that is, from my discipline, from the theater, I know that we have a whole host of, I would call them characters, that in real life we play all the time. Like, for example, the person that I am when I talk to my granddaughter who's two years old, is very different from the person who's speaking to you now, or and very different from the person who's talking to the 19-year-old desk clerk at a certain hotel in a certain city in America that, you know, that for, you know, I, I check in a little bit late, and the first room she put me in had no running water, and the second room she put me in had no electricity. And by the time we got to the third room, none of the the locks did, the lock on the door didn't work. So by the third time I got down to the desk and she was saying to me, Miss James, I'm just doing my best, yet another personality came out. Not such a nice personality, I have to tell you. And certainly not a personality that we'd like to have on the stand. What you have to understand about people is that when they come to you, that big lump of, of marble, Oftentimes, they come to you terrified, or they come to you angry, or they come to you combative, or they come to you hysterically weeping and crying. 
or they come to you with sort of some odd martyr complex where they believe they have to fall on their sword and you want to say, sweetheart, you're not that big a deal in this case. But you have to, what you need to do then is talk with them. And again, it's a people skill. Paralegals are good at this. Talk with them in order to find the personality that you want to put out there. And paralegals, unlike attorneys, I love attorneys, but attorneys seem to think that you can only have a conversation with someone about, you know, killing small animals together or fishing together or, you know, what about that sports team together? Even sometimes women fall into that pattern uh, of, of, of those big sort of general safe categories. When you ask a, a person of a certain age, well, do you have any grandchildren? Their faces light up. Or you say, tell me a little bit about where you grew up. What, was, what did your mother tell you that really made a difference in your life? Their faces light up. And paralegals, because they're not the lawyer, can come in and find that personality. They can find that David in the giant lump of stone uh, that eventually you're, gonna, you're going to work with. So you're going to get rid of the nightmare who's come, you know, screaming in. You're going to find the, the beautiful sculpture that you want to put on, and then you work with that as you practice so that that's the personality that stays. You know, Catherine, I've had that same experience when I'm sitting with clients. When you show an interest in them and talk to them about themselves, they really love it. They just love it. Yes. You need to become their friend, and you need to be able to ask them about their children. And then when you see them again, you need to be able to ask how the kids did at their last track meet. You know, things like that. This will get you so much further with the witness. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like um, I know the birthdays, the interests. I know if they don't have children, what they do like. I know those stories. I know who they're close to of, of literally thousands and thousands of people. And, I, and they're just there with me. They are. They are for sure. Now, all lawyers are actors. We know that. And trial is really theater, which is why I think you like this so much. But some lawyers really don't realize their own limitations. How do you help them improve technique, sensitivity, communication, the art of persuasion? And also, how do you involve paralegals in that? Well, I believe, again, I do involve paralegals with all this. For example, Denny Korb is the major sounding board for Greg Eastland. He does not get up without running things by Denny several times so that it's almost as if in my other world, she is the director and he is the actor. And when I say actor, by the way, I think of acting as the ability to strip away artifice and to, to put the best part of yourself forward. So again, you, you're dealing with lawyers who, just like the witnesses, are not necessarily putting the best of themselves across. They are perhaps putting the person who, you know, is, speaks in a monotone because they're trying to be so precise, or the person who's very stiff, or the person who's very bombastic and overwhelming. Uh, attorneys need to rely on their paralegals to be the, the, the real eyes and ears of, do I sound good? Do I look good? Does this make sense? 
is it, do you think when I move the, when I move, if I have a physical anchor, you know, that is uh, a movement, when I'm talking about this point on this point, part of the podium, and then I walk over to this, does that look good or does that look hokey or what do you think? That's what paralegals can do. They keep them honest. They keep lawyers real. They keep their language real. They keep their personalities real. And when lawyers rely on paralegals to fulfill that for them, they, they can just soar. They can absolutely soar. Catherine, this has been so interesting, but time is running out. But before I let you go, wondering if you have just a couple more tips regarding witness preparation for our listeners. Well, actually, I realize that I haven't talked yet about the most important thing that a paralegal can do for a witness, and that is be the translator of culture. And by that, I mean the person who explains and allows the witness to understand the legal culture in which they are going to be in. That's one thing that a paralegal can do is really be almost like a tour guide for let me tell you what it's going to be like. Let me walk you through things. Let me hold your hand while I help you make this transition from regular person into witness. Now, an even greater thing that paralegals are now being called on to do is to literally be translators of language. Many paralegals speak more than one language, which is very helpful. But more than just the language for the witness, the culture. When people come from a culture in which an authority figure, uh, an, an attorney or a judge or someone can, who can make such a big difference with their lives has done something so awful or so horrible that, let's face it, they no longer live in that country. They've come to this one. How does the paralegal then, who not only speaks their language literally, but speaks their cultural language, how can that paralegal translate and transfer that culture? Also, conversely, how can the paralegal get the attorney to be understanding of the culture and what's going on? I believe it's now called uh, like a cultural awareness. How do you get your attorney to understand those things? And a paralegal is in a perfect position to do that, I believe whether the paralegal comes from the culture in question or not. Who better to look up, Google, do research on, well, now we've got a witness who's one of the Hmong people. Uh, let me do some research on that and figure out what we should be looking out for, how we, how we can make this person more comfortable, uh, what we should be talking about, what are the stories that can be told um, with this person. So the paralegal, I think, it gets the role can be bigger and bigger and bigger, the wider and smaller our world gets. Catherine, Denise Corb may say that you work magic, but I think you're mesmerizing. All of this information is just so helpful for paralegals and attorneys when they work with witnesses. And also, I just love talking to you. So tell our listeners how they can access more information about you and act of communication. Well, thank you so much, Vicki. We do have a website. It's actofcommunication.com. And on that website are links to our Facebook, our Twitter, our LinkedIn. And also, people can sign up 
for uh, our email letter, which, by the way, many paralegals are, are now reading. Many attorneys are and, get and lawyers. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Catherine, but I wanted to tell our listeners that I receive your newsletter, and it's just great. They're for sure going to want to sign up. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you do. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me No worries, me today. no worries. Well, I hope you find it helpful. I know paralegals are going to find all of your information very helpful as they work with witnesses. And I have to tell you, I hope we get to talk again soon. Oh, good, good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Because, you know, for me, the paralegal is the unsung hero or heroine um, of the trial and of the trial team. And I say more power to all of you. It's time to take another break now, so don't go away. When I come back, I'll have a special surprise for you. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. This is the point in the show where I usually share news and practice tips, but today's going to be a little bit different because I have a special surprise. I have Jerrica Lyon on the line with me now. Jerrica was the winner of Legal Talk Network's special promotion, two tickets to the final episode of Dancing with the Stars. Welcome, Jerrica. Thank you. This contest was was really interesting, and it was very simple because all you had to do was sign up for Legal Talk Network's newsletter and select the Paralegal Voice as your favorite show. Were you surprised, Jerrica, when you got the call that you were the winner? Yeah, I'd actually kind of forgotten about it. Time just went on, and all of a sudden got the call and triggered my memory, so it was a good surprise. How did you hear about the giveaway? Was it through your local association? Through our um, local city organization. Now, what's the name of your association? The Red River Valley Paralegal Association. Oh, okay. I'm familiar with Red River Valley Association, and I have several friends who are members, so that's great. I'm just so excited that you were able to be at Dancing with the Stars. And I saw some pictures of you and your husband. I believe his name is Brady. Yeah. It sure looked like you were having a good time. It was great. Neither one of us had ever been to LA, so it was, it was a whirlwind couple of days. We tried to fit in as much as we could. Yes, the pictures I saw uh, were in LA, and one was in front of the Hollywood sign, so it looked like that, you know, things were going well, and it was really fun to be in LA. Tell us about watching that final episode of Dancing with the Stars. You know, probably one of the best experiences that I've ever had didn't really know what to expect. You know, it's a TV show, but live. So they're not doing all the takes and cutting out and all that. So it was great just to see it go in, in order and not taking breaks. And they had very minimal prompting, too. You could just kind of do whatever you wanted as far as cheering. And there was just so much excitement everywhere, you know, with the families of the dancers and 
taking a look to see if you could spot all the famous people that were in the audience. So it was great. Oh, that's really exciting. And, you know, now I know you're a paralegal in Fargo, North Dakota. Have you been a paralegal very long? Um, I graduated from college with my four-year paralegal degree in 2006, and I've been working in the field since then. Okay, and and I think you went to school in Minnesota, is that correct? Yep, Minnesota State University, Moorhead. Jerrica, what do you like or learn or find interesting about the paralegal voice? Well, I think the biggest thing that drew me to it was that, obviously, it's directed towards paralegals, which most of... The other legal resources that are out there are either generic or geared towards attorneys specifically. So I really like that there's practical advice and tips from people that are working in the trenches, you know, people that are experiencing what paralegals do and have to handle on a day-to-day basis. And not just, you know, in the ideal world, this is what would happen, like they often teach you in school or other resources. Because we don't always work in an ideal world, do we? Exactly. So a paralegal voice kind of narrows it in onto those issues that, you know, maybe not everyone, but most paralegals are probably experiencing or having to deal with in their career. Right. And that was my goal when I started the paralegal voice, to bring really good, down-to-earth information to paralegals. So I'm really glad to hear that. Really glad. Jerrica? Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate your being with me. Yeah, and thank you for having me. Uh, I am so appreciative of the contest and getting the opportunity to not only go to L.A., but to be able to be a part of this whole process. Thank you. That's all the time we have today for the Paralegal Voice. If you have questions about today's show, please email them to me. The address is Vicki. V-I-C-K-I, at paralegalmentor.com. Also, don't forget to check out my blog, paralegalmentorblog.com, and the resources available at paralegalmentor.com. Because they're designed to help you move your career in the right direction, which is forward. This is Vicki Voison, thanking you for listening to The Paralegal Voice and reminding you to make your paralegal voice heard. Thanks for listening to The Paralegal Voice, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Vicki Voisin for her next podcast on issues and trends affecting paralegals and legal assistants. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. 
Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.